Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Appreciate each of you being here this morning. I know uh, communion, if that's something you're not familiar with, it is something that is instructed, it's commanded, and uh, let us never forget, you know, uh, of just what Christ did for us. You know, the things that we often remind ourselves of, guess what? We don't forget those things. But the things that we kind of put on the back shelf and never focus on, how many of you tend to be forgetful? If you don't write it down, you don't have a note, you don't, we just will not remember those things. So we practice and we do those things that are important. And communion is a big thing that's important. We always want to carve out time in the service to reflect and to celebrate and remember what Christ has done. So thank you so much for being here with us this morning. We're jumping into week two of our real life series. If last week you did not, uh, you weren't here, you weren't able to join us, check out our podcast. You can, you can search the podcast Harvest Time Church and look for our church logo. You can subscribe to all of those. We did have issues with the Facebook live uh, stream last week, so that is going to be the, the only way that you're able to go back and listen to last week's message. But what it does when you subscribe to those, it will give you, as soon as they upload it, it will actually tell you, hey, a new uh, episode is available and you can go back, you can go back and listen to 156 messages if you want. Don't advise that, but you could. So anyone that you missed or a series you want to go back to or a message that you said, man, that was too good, I need to get a second dose, uh, that's a good way to go back and do that. So we're going to jump right into this week two and we're going to look look at the, the family life. How many of you know family life can be all over the place? It can be good, it can be bad, it can be undetermined. It's full of so many different variables. Now, there are usually two two sides that you camp on. One side of the river says, I love my family, I have a healthy family. The other side of the camp is, I've had bad experiences, there's things you know that have happened and therefore I have a bad family life. So we talk about a good family life and we talk about a bad family life. And then there's some that you're stuck right in the middle of the river and you can't make up your mind if it's good, bad, or whatever, right? So this morning we're going to really look at what God wants the family to be. I'm going to give you some guidance. This message is going to have a lot of practical concepts involved in it because it would be one thing to just talk about the drama of family and not give you some practical steps to maybe help you have more of a successful family life. How many of you like really desire, Lord, I desire to have a good family life? Husbands, wives, look at your spouse, say, I I desire to have a good family life, you know, every single day of my life, not just on my birthdays and anniversaries and, you know, on my good days, but every day of my life. I think deep down that is a, a reality that all of us want. Now, let me tell you something. Cultivating a healthy family life is the result of nothing more and nothing less than hard work. You can't get married and say, oh, it's going to be wonderful and I'm going to contribute absolutely nothing. Think about any relationship that you've built or that you've grown. It requires work to start that relationship. And how many of you know it requires work to keep that relationship? Just because you, your relationships, you know, and, and so this is married, this is friend relationships, this is just families, siblings, uncles, aunts, grandparents. This is the family dynamic. So, like, don't just get stuck, oh, he's talking to married couples. No, I'm talking about the family dynamic. Now, right now, I'm just going to pause before I dive in any more into this message. Think about your family dynamic. Some of you are like, I don't want to think about it. 
I've just shoved it down. I put it deep down in a dark place. I don't want to talk about it, Pastor. What if the family dynamic was what God wanted to use to be a blessing to your life? What if that was God's plan? You say, Pastor, you don't understand. We're going to look in just a moment. God does not mess up in the details of your life. He uses every single thing. He uses every single moment, and he places you where you're supposed to be. It was not an accident. But what does your family life really look like? Maybe it's broken. Maybe it's damaged. Maybe it's wound. Maybe you have wounds. Maybe you have trust issues. Say, I don't trust anybody. Well, there's a reason why you don't trust people. It just uh, you just don't. Most people just don't wake up one day and say, "I'm not going to trust anyone," right? It's 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 a result of being hurt, of being vulnerable, of being wounded, and then the self defense system kicks in and says, "Well, I'm not going to trust anybody," right? And that's not always the best. So we realize that I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I have a healthy or unhealthy family life? Now, if you're camping in the middle this morning, I want you to move to the healthy side. If you're on the unhealthy side, I want you at least to move to the middle of the river and start making your way towards a healthy family life. Only you can answer that question, and you probably already know the answer to that. Some of you this morning say, hey, I loved last week. We talked about singles, and that didn't apply to me, so I didn't care. Well, guess what? Family life, it, it, it involves every single one of us in the room. Okay? So every single stage of life as a child, as a teen, as an adult, either being single or married, as a parent with kids at the home, a seasoned adult which has, you know, that is an adult without kids in the home, or your prime time years of retirement, and, and as grandparents, you know, what is the health of your family? What does it look like? You know, I want to let you know that most of the time, do you know we're the hardest on family? We're more cruel to our family sometimes than we are our best friends. And and, and really, the, the thing that I chalk that up to is that is the plan of the enemy to cause division amongst your families rather than grabbing a hold of each other and refusing to let go. All right? So the family dynamic works best when it is on a biblical guideline. It's based on a biblical guidance. So let's look how God established it in the very beginning, Genesis 1, 26 through 28 in the NIV. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God established the blueprint in the first chapter of the Bible. But let me tell you what, the devil has also been about contradicting and twisting what God said from the beginning. Right in Genesis 3, 1 through 4, the, uh, the serpent comes into the equation and says, did God really say, which that is a, you know, a statement that is, that is trying to manipulate truth. It says the serpent was more crafty than anyone else. Now, I looked up the word crafty. The definition of crafty means clever at achieving one's aims by indirect or deceitful methods. Now, we know that's exactly what Satan did in the Garden of Eden that day. He manipulated, he took a partial truth, he twisted it, he enticed uh, the woman, and she was deceived, and she sinned, and, and, it, and it caused this downward spiral that really caused the perfect family unit to be crippled. It changed, changed the dynamic of what God wanted it to be, and it manipulated, and the devil knew that. There was also a desire 
to kill and destroy the woman's offspring. In, in Genesis 3.15, it says, and I will put enmity between the, you and the woman. Enmity means a deep-rooted hatred, that there was going to be a hatred towards uh, the devil and, and the fruit of the womb, the, the, the continual, all of the kids that would be born. This happened after the fall. So what do we learn? First off, ladies, don't talk to snakes. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I tend to think, was that a normal, did they talk to all the animals or, you know, a snake shows up and starts talking to me, uh, something's wrong here. You know, all the sirens go off, all the, you know, it's a good warning, don't talk to snakes. But let's break down what God established and then what can we do to fix what was broken. So there was, there was a plan of one man and one woman in perfect unified harmony populating the earth. This was going to be a perfect balance for all humanity to thrive. And, and do you realize this is still the model for today? You can't say, well, that was back then and it's changed now. We go back to the blueprint. We go back to, you know, it was like if, if you're building a home and you're building it according to the blueprints, well, when you're done with the house, guess what? It should look like the blueprints. If somebody messes up the plan, what can we guess? They did not look at what? The blueprint. Now, you can do whatever you want, but guess what? It won't look like the blueprint. And that's what a lot of people are doing. They're doing whatever they want. They're making adjustments. They're making compromises. They're figuring out how to do it, but not looking at the blueprint. So we have to go back to the model. We have to realize that is still the model for today. God desired the family to rule and reign and populate the earth. There was no death. There was no divorce. There was no damaged people. There was no sin. Sin is defined as an immoral act of transgression against divine law established by God, not humanity, but established by God. So if we realize that it's God's standards that we're upholding to, when we violate it, it's not violating a human standard, it is violating a godly standard, okay? So he established it. He made it perfect just like he wanted it to be. Hear me when I say this. God is for the family dynamic and the devil is completely against it. So you think you're fighting with your spouse. You're not really fighting with your spouse. You're fighting against the enemy of this world. The mornings you wake up and you don't find grace and thankfulness for you, towards your kids, it is the devil manipulating the model and causing discord and separation between you and your kids. Remember, he hates your children. He hates your offspring. Now, there's moments you say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But deep down, we have to see that it is a gift from God. The dynamic of the power, there is a powerful, powerful dynamic when a godly family unit functions according to God's plans. Um, I just want to camp here just for a moment and talk about some of the quick, hot topics that are really attacking the family unit in our culture. If you get offended by one of these topics or you don't want to talk about one of these topics, you need to deal with these topics because it is going to be knocking on your doorstep if it not already has. The first one, one of the biggest things is adultery. It's something we don't want to talk about. We don't want to say, Pastor, why are we talking about, why are you saying adultery from the platform? Because it is something that the enemy is using to completely destroy families and relationships and a generation of families down the road. So we realize that, you know, when, when, when adultery happens, this is intimacy of any kind with anyone else besides your spouse. Now, I'm going to blanket statement, statement that because you may say, well, is this adultery? Is this adultery? If you're asking me if it's adultery, it probably is. 
I mean, it should not even, you should know what the boundary is. Do not get so comfortable manipulating what's acceptable and what's not. Any violation, anything that is intended for your spouse, intimacy of any kind is adultery. That which is reserved for your spouse and your spouse alone. Husbands, say amen. amen. Women, say amen. amen. And if you need to have a conversation about that, you need to deal with it because that will cause a family unit to deteriorate and break. And if you're in this room together, you're probably in it for the long haul. So you might have to deal with, if that happened a long time ago, you got to deal with those things. Don't pretend they didn't happen and say, well, you know, just ignore it. It says those things that are exposed to the light, do you realize we can be free from those things and we don't have to walk according to those things? But we can say, oh, pastor, don't preach on that. Give me another message. What's another topic that's really, really uh, uh, causing damage to relationships? Cohabitation. What this is, is living together before getting married. We are on a slippery slope of where culture is just deciding it's okay, it's acceptable, let's play house and let's not put a ring on it, let's not, let's not have any commitment, let's try this out before we get married. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? This is something that is dangerous, this is something that's destructive, and do you realize, let, let me give you ladies in the room a little bit of uh, statistics, I was like, well man, I wonder if this is like the man's plan, you know? Get, get the milk and don't pay for the cow? Is this the manipulated like guy doing it? You know statistically who, who, at, who really wants this situation in this configuration? It's almost always the female. Because she thinks that the husband, or this, this boyfriend, not a husband yet, perhaps if I let him take a step in the right direction, he'll marry me. Well, let me let you on a little secret. Guys are very, very comfortable where they're at sometimes. And if you take a step in the wrong direction that is really contrary to God's word in, in an attempt to make the man take steps to marry you, almost every single time what ha registers in a man's mind says, you know what, this is comfortable, this is cool, I like it, someone washes my clothes, someone does this and this and this. You get all the benefits of marriage without being married, without that commitment. And guess what? A guy will stay there a lifetime. So just because giving them a key or inviting them to stay with you, that is not a God-honoring thing. Now let me give you one more nugget. Oh, we're living together, but nothing's happening. <laughs> Come on. It's like a dog, dog walking in the yard. I'm not going to get no fleas. Come on. Something's going to happen. It don't matter what kind of self-control. It is just a bad configuration, and it will cause destruction in your life and in your future. It is not a God-honoring step. You got to make sure that you have those things in line. What's another one? Gender confusion or gender choice. Man, God made them male and female. It's based on anatomy. It's not a choice. Because the moment you say, uh, oh, maybe I was supposed to be like this, you know what you're saying? You're saying that God messed up. You're saying it wasn't right. Now, look what you got. I mean, if you're confused, look down. <laughs> and if you can't figure it out, ask your mom and dad. I don't know what to tell you. I, I mean, it, 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 it's not that complicated. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, we're making this hard and it's optional. I, I never, you know, I never thought we would have to, act, to say this from, from a platform and preach this and make sure people understand. Listen, God made you by design how he wanted you. There should be no confusion. There should just be reinforcing what God has already designed in you. 
Now, we got to be okay with a little bit more feminine traits and a little bit more masculine traits. And we don't need to have every man set in the category of Paul Bunyan on his best day slaying and hunting and fishing. And they're not all like that. But if we have just the categories, or you got to be this Miss Pris perfect, like, uh, you know, everything together. We, 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 the Barbie doll, that's right, where it is, so, it, it is one extreme or the other. That's why it's so hard and people don't fit because it's not realistic. So we have to add a threshold of saying, hey, this is still all male. This is all female. And guess what? If you, if, you're, if you have enough balance in your life, you probably will have some feminine attributes about you, man. Now, women, you might have to have some manly attributes. Put a man in his place sometimes. You got to have a little backbone. I mean, there, there's this perfect balance. Right? But he created them male and he created them female. He did not miss them up. This should not even be something we are discussing or confused about. And we need to reinforce whatever the gender is. Okay? It will mess up the family unit. What about single parent families? Man, this is something that, you know, we have uncommitted mothers, we have uncommitted fathers, or we possibly have the loss of a spouse that completely changes the dynamic of the family, of the household. Um, I believe that, you know, the, the most ideal situation is to have a godly mother and a godly father serving the Lord, uh, raising children together. Um, when there's a lack of commitment, man, that's why I like marriage. It's hard to get out when you're married. You're just living together. I get mad one day and say, good luck, Chuck. Right? It's easy. It's convenient. I do like the, the, the rules of having to work through the details of getting out of something, right? But we have uncommitted moms sometimes. Sometimes I feel like that that's more on the side of men being uncommitted fathers. Not my problem. I've done my part and then you leave. Come on. We can't do that. That will, that will destroy families. When there's a loss of a spouse, we just pray for the grace of God and we say, Lord, what do we do now? And I believe that he provides grace to still raise very healthy, very balanced. You know, most of the time you see spiritual fathers, you see church friends step in and fill some of those gaps to make a well-rounded adult. Okay. What about an abusive family relationship? Sometimes this is verbal. Sometimes this is physical. Those things will always be destructive in a relationship. It's causing harm to your spouses. It's causing harm to your kids. Well, I didn't yell at my kids, but they were around it and they saw it modeled. They saw what happened when you responded incorrectly. They saw, they saw what happened when you didn't respond in self-control. All of these dynamics will radically shape the, the, what a healthy family should look like. There's abuse that happens in them. I'm going to look at one more. This is a tough one, but abortion. Abortion should never be an option. You know, I tried to uh, say, Lord, is there, ever a, is there ever a time where it's justified? And there's a scripture that talks about never, ever, ever shedding innocent blood. And it doesn't matter what happens that creates life. The moment you take it out on the child is absolutely always wrong. It's easy for you to make the choice, but you've already been born. The, the baby cannot speak on its own, so I'm going to take the stance, abortion is never the answer. If you say, well, you don't understand, we're young and we, guess what? You should have decided before you got to that place of where abortion's on the table now. It's a way out. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a well, I can always have an abortion. That thought process needs to be far removed from your thought process. Because it'll guard what you do and don't do before the baby shows up. But we think we can fix it. Or it's an option. Well, I know I made a poor choice, but I can do this. Guess what? I don't ever believe that that's part of God's equation. 
I don't care any way you shake it. You say, well, you don't understand. What about in this situation? I still don't think it's right. Give that baby a few years and see what, they, what their thoughts are on it. But most people don't do that. All right? I know this is hard stuff, this hard topic stuff we don't want to talk about, but they all affect the, the family dynamic. So all of these family life situations are a byproduct of sin entering the world. They, they are violations of God's standards, and it is seen as a transgression against God. A transgression is an act that goes against the law, the rule, the code, or conduct. It is offensive to God. You have to realize that. So any alteration to the original plan is a violation of Scripture. It undermines authority and the sovereignty and the supreme nature of God. Say that one more time. Any alteration from the original plan is a violation of Scripture and undermines the authority and sovereignty and supreme nature of God. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of family life you have. Let's look at what this passage says in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. This is in the New Living Translation. It says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of the dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So what this is saying here, this passage, we are now all in Christ, members of God's family. This is, the, this is awesome because even if your family life is not ideal, it gives you a great big complicated family to be a part of and live life together with, being part of God's family. And this is something we are trying to build here at Harvest Time Church. We want the church to be a family unit. We want the church to be a, a healthy ecosystem of family balance where it don't matter what you're going through. Like let's say you were honest and vulnerable for a minute. You said, hey, I'm dealing with this. Well, the moment you say that, there's three or four or four or five, if not a dozen other couples that can help you work through that because guess what? They survived that. You know, and that's what family is all about. It's about surviving together. It's about helping the next generation go further or being more cautious to the things that kind of almost destroyed your life so that generation after generation, we do better and better rather than worse and worse. So I think that that's an overflow, but I want to encourage you today, if you are truly in that situation where you have no one and you say, I have no family, I have no friends, I have no relationship, God has built the church for you. He's welcomed you into this family and he's given you everything you need to be successful and satisfied and collectively as the family unit, it makes us be all that we can be. Amen. So it's the same idea. If you have a broken family system, you're going to end up producing broken children. If we have a broken church system, guess what? We are going to continue to breed and to produce what? Broken people. So it's the same thing. As a church, we want to be a godly family that is implementing Christian principles, that is doing it the best we can. It don't mean mama don't got problems and daddy don't got problems, but we are fighting to do as much as we can to do things right as often as possible. That's our heart at Harvest Time Church. I tell people all the time, I say, well, pastor, you don't understand. He says, I got this going on, and here's going to say, it's okay. I said, we all got problems. We've just figured out it's a lot funner to try to get through it together. And that's really been the, the whenever I talk to anybody, it don't matter what you're going through. I said, man, you don't understand because we realize it's walking in that family unit that we work it out. And often by ourselves, it's a lot more difficult than we think. This is who God is, according to Psalm 68, 5 through 6. 
It says, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. Verse 6, it says, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoner with singing and the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. So a great family life, this is what it requires. It requires work. It requires sacrifice, commitment, forgiveness, patience, long-suffering, and making up your mind to stick with it and create a great family. Anybody said the family life was easy? Lie to you. You know, if you don't, if, if you look around your family and you say, man, our family is good, there ain't nobody crazy, then you might be the crazy one. Every family has a little bit of drama, has a little bit of rough edges, but I would rather live in the, in the, in the unit of family that has, doesn't have everything together than to live without it at all. All right? So this morning, we're going to look at four mindsets that will harm your family life. These are four things. And if you've said any of these, you need to say, Lord, change the way I think. Because if you've said them, you've thought it. If you've thought it, it might be in your heart. Because it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, I didn't mean it, but you said it. When you say it, I get concerned about it because it's internal. So we're going to look at four mindsets that will harm your family life. Number one, I don't need a family. And I've heard this. I don't need a family. I can do it by myself. I've been, I've been growing up by myself. I never had a father. My mom didn't care about me. She was working all I don't care what the story is. The moment we make the statement, I don't need a family, I believe we're off base. My question for you is, how do you make it without a family? You're like, I don't need nobody. What in the world are you like? What happens when stuff hits the fan? Like, like I mean, it gets, what are you going to do? Like, I mean, you, you can, you, if, you, if you say, I don't need family. We were all built by God's design for companionship and relationship. It was God's blueprint of design. So it says, the family is the cure for loneliness. Psalm 68, 6. Now, you see that sometimes, those that just hang out. I, I don't know what you, I mean, I guess I'd become a video gamer. I don't know. If I just remove the whole family concept and I don't do anything, but guess what? Uh, uh, man, I lived a life of solitude when I worked for SDP and nuclear security. Being there for hours on top of hours by myself, trying to keep myself sane apart from anybody. Reading, man, you can only watch so many movies. You can only read so many books. You can only play so many video games. And then you're just done with that. It does not build the type of relationship base that people need to thrive. When I say I don't need a family, I'm saying I can do this by myself. I don't need anyone. Well, let's look a little bit further. Family and friends are essential to making it in life. You know, I remember one time I was stuck in the mud on the backside of, the, of, the, of Matagorda Beach. I was stuck. There was nothing I could do. Hey, that was a good day to have friends and have some relationship. Good luck pulling that truck out with your teeth while you're stuck. It ain't going to happen. Like, you know, it was stuck, stuck. And, uh, you know, it was a blessing to have a friend. You know, having family that you can always count on. You know, I called my father-in-law for just a tool that I needed. He said, hey, you got one of these? Yeah, hey, come in and get it. You know, I, I mean, I just asked if he had it. I didn't even ask. I could borrow it. And he said, come get it. Like, so, so there's difference about a family. They, they get all of their resources together and lay it on the table. It's not mine and yours, yours and mine. It's collective. It adds and contributes more. You know, it's like having all the chess pieces available, except you just got one little knight. Well, that knight's going to get got by itself. But if we fight as a family unit and we stay together and we help each other out in that community, in that relationship, we're going to get through life. Doesn't mean that it's not going to be messy, but it's going to be sustainable. It's going to be something we can get through. It's going to be something we can endure. You ever been there? 
All right, so what else does it say? It says, the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him, Genesis 2.18. Tell you what, a friend is good, but a spouse is better when God is in the details. Right? It's one of those things, it says that him that has found a wife has been blessed of the Lord. Look at this, think about this just for a minute. Adam already had God with him. Think about it. Hold on. Stick here just for a minute. You're like, oh, all I need is God. Okay. How is it that God evaluated the situation and he still saw a measure of loneliness loneliness, and that something was missing in the life of humanity? Now, this is pre-sin. This is like everything's perfect. You can eat what you want. You ain't got to work. You sit in the hammock all day long and every, you know, the monkeys bring you bananas. I don't know what it looked like. This is like the pinnacle of greatness. You're walking with God, you're hanging out, but God realized there was a void. There was a lack of companionship, of relationship. Now, you may get stuck and say, well, that's a, Pastor, you're talking about a spouse. No, I'm talking about friends, but I'm talking about the family dynamic. The family dynamic was God's plan. He said, it is not good for man to be alone, so he created Adam, and then he put him to sleep, and, and he took a rib, and he actually made woman from man. That they would be, there would be companionship, and there'd be oneness. He had God with him, but God realized that he wasn't complete until he had a wife, a partner, a helpmate. Proverbs 18, it says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. I can attest to this in my life that I have found a wife, and I tell you what, man, it's a good thing. It is a blessing. Do you know that Pastor Noe would not be the pastor I am today without my wife? I might be okay but I wouldn't be great without my wife. My wife was gone this weekend. I'm glad she's back. Managing them kiddos, dear Lord Jesus. (laughs) Speaking of kids, if your spouse is not blessing enough, God graciously added the gift of children to our lives. It says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in the warrior's hand. How joyful the man whose quiver is full of them. Psalms 127, 3 through 5 in the New Living Translation. He's given us a spouse. He's given us a helpmate. He's also given us children. Which God says all of those things are a blessing. And it says, blessed is him who finds a wife. Blessed is him who has children. So the one that says, I don't need a family, has a, or doesn't, don't need a family, has a wrong mindset, and that has to change. Number two, I only need my family when I'm young. <laughs> I thought like that for just a little bit, right? Oh, I only need you to take care of me when I can't take care of myself. But when I'm a full-grown man, I'll take care of myself. Been there, Maybe. So this is what we look at. Family support is needed at every single stage of life. My most challenging season of my life was between 18 and 21. Why was that such a big deal? Because that was the season in my life I wanted to do life on my own. Stupid decision. I didn't know what I was doing. I was making poor decisions. And if I would have just listened to mama... If I would have just been respectful and listened to my dad. Like, you know, all of these things that you don't know till you know, and then you wish you would have known. And it's not that I didn't have parents that weren't speaking to me, but it was one of those things where I was like, la, 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 I don't want to hear it. Right? They're laughing because they know about that. (laughs) Because I know you ain't laughing at me. 
Just playing, right? We've all, we've all been there where we don't want to hear it. We don't want to. We don't want to. We don't want to stay in the safety of the family unit. We want to separate ourselves from. Guess what? If the enemy can separate you, he can destroy you. But if you stay close to the family unit, we can at least fight together. You might be able to bust up my kid if he's in the back room, but if you do it in my presence, you're going to deal with me also, right? That we got to realize that you know, children and whatever, whatever the dynamic looks like, when you separate yourself, it's vulnerable. The enemy uses this tactic all the time. So living life by yourself, doing it on your own, saying, I don't need a family. When I get older, I can do what I want. You know, it's great when things are going well, but the moment it hits the fan, you wish you wouldn't have severed ties to that family. Family is needed through the good, through the bad, through the ugly. Family is full of drama, but it's worth sticking to it. You know, a home is a place where you know you can always go back to. I hope that is true for you. Uh, if you can't go back or you feel like that there's something broken there, please work on restoring that. Maybe it's just you got you to gotta squash that pride and you need to apologize. Well, they don't do it. Oh, well, so it's all about them. It's not about you. It's always about us. You can't change what your, what your family unit does, but you can control what you do. Have you done everything you can to restore that relationship? It's up to you. You know, family life changes when you get married. You know, your family focus shifts from your mom and your dad to your wife. There's a passage that talks about leaving and cleaving, having that healthy balance. Moms, you got to know when to let boys become men and, and lead their own homes. But I tell you what, when they have a need, help them. They need it. You know, some, from, from the infant stage to the child to an adult to a grandparent, all of these are critical moments in our life. We never get to the place where we don't need family. I think the older we get, the more appreciative we are of the family. You know, there's a season in there where you're just flying by a mile a minute and you're missing it all or you're trying to get out of it because it's a bad situation. But there comes a moment where you see the blessing of the family unit. Dreaming about what it could be or wishing what it could have been or if situations would have been different. And, but listen, we can't control what they did or didn't do, but we can control how we responded or what we did or didn't do. And I'm preaching to you today. I'm not preaching to your parents. I'm not preaching to your siblings. You're in the room. You're stuck here. I'm saying, what can you do to make sure that your family is at least available? Because it's one thing to say I don't need them, but it's a one thing. It's another side to, that they're not available because of the wall that you build between them. I believe God wants to restore that. He wants to change that. Siblings are a blessing from the Lord. Man, I loved my sisters. I picked them to death. And now I see the same thing, Samuel doing it to his sisters. I'm like, quit doing that. Like, you're doing the same thing I did. Now, sometimes I laugh because it is funny. <laughs> but I have, see, I have seen the ripples of, you know, of excessive brotherly torture to our siblings. Um, but we have to realize that in Proverbs 17, 17, it says, A family loves at all times, and a brother slash sister, I'm going to add that in there because I think it can be a brother or a sister, is born for a time of adversity. That means when it gets hard, your siblings will have your back. They'll be close to you. How many of you have ever fought with your siblings? And if you got siblings, you fought with your siblings. How many of you have ever fought for your siblings when someone picked on them? Said so the only one that can pick on them is me. But if you pick on them, it's on. You're dealing with me too. Right? It's, it's so funny how, how fickle and finicky we are because it's like, hey, only I can pick on them. But if somebody else picks on them, you're messing with me too. Right? We got the most loyalty to them. 
Or we got the biggest vengeance towards them. Like it's like, you know, it's it's you're you're hard on them, but you won't let anybody else pick on them. But I've seen that having the back mentality, having siblings being loyal to each other, this is the dynamic that God wants for a lifetime where, hey, I'm just a phone call away, anything you need. We have to realize that we need each other for a lifetime. Siblings, family, those of you who have maybe lost parents, how many of you wish you had more time? Right? Wish you could go back. Now, we can't change the past, but we can change the future. But for those of you who have siblings and family members and grandparents and those you haven't talked to in a long time, and they are still living, but you're modeling a lifestyle as if they don't even live on the planet anymore. I would encourage you to pray about how to navigate that and try to restore that. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, it says, Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help them up. But pity anyone who falls, and no one is there to help him up. It's always better to do life together. Be that a spouse, be that a sibling, be that friends, be that a church. you got to have people around you. That, 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 that solo mentality, I can do it by myself. I don't need anyone. I'm going to build my own career. I'm going to make it something for myself and does it by themselves. It is a miserable path. Because God has built us for family and community. So I need, so the number one, that number one, I don't need a family, bad mindset. I only need my family when I'm young, bad mindset. Number three, God messed up when he gave me my family. Now some of you are laughing, but some of you are scarred by this because you think God messed up because you said, if I had a family just like yours, or if I had a family like that, it would be different. Let me tell you something out of the gate. God has a plan for connecting you with your biological family. He placed you in that family. He put you in that family. Now, maybe there's some in the room that were adopted. Guess what? That that became God's best plan for you. I'm sorry your parents didn't love you and didn't, didn't see the value in you, but God saw the value in you, and he just redirected you. Maybe, and maybe some of you grew up, are in a family right now that is not healthy. Guess what? God built the church for you. He didn't shortchange us. But God does not mess up. He doesn't make mistakes. He, he's always on time. You know, so our, our, we know our physical family, sometimes that dynamic is rough. It's not always great. We're not always like, oh, man, this is the best family ever. But I hope there are some moments like that where you count those blessings. Church family, it's not blood but it's sometimes just as much needed as your physical family. God does not mess up with the family that you were born or adopted into. But sometimes the problem is people don't reflect and see God's heart towards the other family members. I think sometimes we're so hard in judging our other family members that we don't see them as God sees them. We blame them. We criticize them. Why didn't you do this and this and this? Uh, the older I get, the more I realize it wasn't that they willfully did it. They just didn't know what to do. Because there are many times, even as a father to my children, where I don't know what to do. I just do the best I can, and I hope at the end of it, it was enough. Sometimes we're not great fathers. Sometimes we're not great mothers. But guess what? It's kind of like fake it till you make it and hope you don't kill your kids. It really is. You just do the best you can. And, you know, hindsight, when we look back, I'm sure there's things we wish we could have done better. There's things we, should, we wish we would have known at the end, what we, you know, we would have applied at the end, what we 
apply at the beginning what we learned at the end and we could go back and do it. But there's going to be gaps. There's going to be things that we mess up. But just trust God with that. Some of us have major, major problems with our in-laws. But let me tell you something. If it wasn't for your in-laws, you wouldn't have your spouse. Well, you don't understand. You got to be thankful to some degree for them because your wife showed up out of that. So with that, I just encourage you to work through the details. Now, what I tell you, if you ain't married, know you're marrying the in-laws. If you can't deal with the in-laws, good luck. Right? You're marrying a family. You're not just marrying a spouse. Now, I say, hey, you said Pastor leaving Cleve. Well, you still got to see him around holidays. Still, it's still their child. You know, like, there's going to be some dynamic there as much separation and, and distance. You're going to marry the in-laws. So, so be mindful of that because God was in those details too because you found a blessing out of it. We get to choose our friends, but it is God who chooses our families. God knows what is best for us. We have to be mindful of that. Mindset number four in the last one, it says, a family, my family is pretty messed up. What can I do about it? If you're camping on that today, you can't change where you've come from, but you can redirect where you're going. You can make moves today of reconciliation. You know, you can begin to pray. You know, I, I know I'm a preacher. I know I'm a pastor. I know that's supposed to be the cookie cutter answer, but I have seen God do some amazing things when we start praying for somebody's heart to change. Well, let me tell you what. It's only God that can change the heart. But if the heart changes, the actions change. That's why we pray for a heart change. So before you start praying, hyperdrive over somebody else's heart, pray over your own heart. Because sometimes the problem's you, not them. You say, man, I got a messed up family. And they'll say the same thing about you. Right? So the family unit, it can be rebuilt after being broken. But there has to be something that changes. You have to change the direction. And if you do this, it will ensure an awesome future. Do you know the devil is against healthy, whole families? I'm going to circle back just for a minute. He wants to destroy families. He knows that if he can destroy families, he can destroy generations. If he can, if he can destroy enough generations, he can make a Western culture that gets all upside down and get all kinds of messed up. Well, we're talking about things we should have never been talking about. Go back to my five points on that problems we face in culture today. We should never be talking about, we should never even be dealing with those things. Justifying any of those. You have to take control of the direction that your family is moving towards. Joshua 24, 14 says, For as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Do you know, fathers, you often set the pace of your home. There's statistics out there of when the father comes to the knowledge of Jesus first or the mother comes to the knowledge of Jesus first or a child does. Do you know when a child comes to the knowledge of Jesus first, there is a 3.5% that the family will follow? If, if the wife comes to knowledge of Jesus first, there is a 17% chance that the family will come to the knowledge of Jesus. All right, man, brace yourself. So when a father comes to the knowledge of Jesus first, there is a 93% chance that the rest of the family will follow. So, man, if you think that your position is insignificant, you got to really change the way you think about that. You almost breed the tide going one way or the other direction. You set the tone for your home. That's why Joshua said, for me and my home, here's what we're going to do. Set the tone. Set the pace. Know that you were designed to thrive within the family unit, not without it. We all have wounds or have unintentionally inflicted wounds on others. 
Do you know it's actually unavoidable to go through life with no conflict or no wounds or not accidentally doing something even on your best days? And sometimes we take those as a vengeance against ourselves. Well, if they wouldn't, I'm telling you, deep down, most parents, that was not their goal. Your siblings, to break and sever that relationship was not their goal. This was a direct plan of the enemy, working in amongst the family to cause division and separation. And most of the time, it's because we've held a grudge or we've made an accusation against our family that we're not willing to forgive. Which part? How far back? Yeah, 3.5% if the child comes to the knowledge of Jesus, 17% if the wife, and then 93% for the father. You're welcome. So we know the child, the parent, the father, the mother dynamic, there's going to be some conflict. Amen. Everybody's been on the giving, receiving, whatever into that, right? So it's not that we're looking for perfection or this fairy tale fantasy, but we're looking for restoration and health and wholeness. But breaking that lie of saying my family's pretty messed up, I'm not going to do anything about it because I think that's our response sometimes. A broken family unit produces broken results, but God's grace is all sufficient, making up the difference if we allow him. Find something in your family to give thanks for, and if you can't do that, there are definitely areas you've got to add forgiveness in. Because if you can't look at your family even amongst the like, rough edges and say, man, I'm thankful for this and this and this, even though I wouldn't tell them to their face, right? Then there are some major wounds and some major unforgiveness that you're going to have to work through. I'm telling you, you can live in a family dynamic that is a blessing from God. When it gets tough, you want to have the family there. Ask God to show you how he sees them, that will change your, your perspective pretty, pretty quick. Well, my dad wounded me, Pastor. You don't understand what he did. Ask God to show you how he sees your father. Often we identify people with what they've done to us, but we don't see them through the lens of how God sees them. It will radically change that. When we see somebody having a hard time, you know, getting through something or responding incorrectly, try to look through the eyes of Jesus because it changes everything. Realize that a family is a blessing from the Lord. A family offers a place to belong to. It provides you with the support and encouragement to get through life. There's moments you need a shoulder to cry on. Guys, there's moments your father needs to kick you in the rear end and say, be a man and move on, quit being complacent, raise your family in a way that, that is honorable to God. Husbands, help your wife. If you got kids in the home, if you got infants under the age of two, your wife needs your help. Don't sit there and watch TV and not help your wife. Because if I see you doing it, I'm going to correct you. Your wife is a blessing from the Lord. Well, that's her job. Oh, really? But what's your job? To flip through channels? Come on. It's a full-time job. Because a father can be there, but he can be absent. Tell you, if your kids are around, there's a whole lot more important things than football games. Now, if your son's sitting there next to you and you're telling him how to play the sport, I think that's probably profitable time. But if your kids are trying to get your attention and you're saying, oh, I'm just relaxing. Now, there's a balance so you don't lose your sanity. I understand. But if, we, if moms have to deal with it and get their composure and invest time in kids, fathers, you can't do. Guys busted up enough? Should I wrap it up? 
going to give you some closing guidance for all family members. If I didn't give you something to, to take home, this will apply to everybody in the room. All of this, these passages come from Titus 2 and Ephesians 5, so this is guidance for families. Children, first and foremost, it says, Honor your mother and father for this is right. This ensures long life. It doesn't matter if, they don't, if you think that they don't know better. It's not up to you to determine. It says, Honor your father and mother. Do what they say. What they do, do it. What they say, don't do, don't do it. It's kind of one of those, uh, you've been instructed to respond correctly, not think, as a child. Because most of the time, your parents know best, especially when you're younger. And you will not realize it until you become a parent. I promise. All right? Wives and mothers. Wives, first and foremost, respect and submit to your husbands and help him. He really does need you. There's, there needs to be a balance of, of respect to your husband. This is how God has positioned it. He's, God's also instructed you women and mothers to train the younger women. If they got a broke model, how are they supposed to be good moms and good mothers and good wives? You have to teach them how to do that. It's not we just don't figure it out, but it's something that needs to be taught. Fathers and husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Provide and take, for her, uh, take care of her. Train and instruct your children in the Lord. That is your jo- That's under the men's duty. That's not the wife's duty we got to train and instruct. We need to get involved. And it says don't overly tease them. Don't nag them. Don't get them to the place of where they are so frustrated in life. Love your wife. Women, respect your husband. Only, And I'm going to give you a statement that I think is very, very powerful. Only a mother can call a girl to motherhood. And only a man can call a boy to manhood. My mom could tell me all day. You're a man now. But there's something about if it comes from the father that changes everything. The same thing for your daughters. For them to be feeling like they are a woman or they have what it takes, it has to come from the woman. Siblings, help each other out. Keep your relation intact as you get older. They are your helpers of adversity as life gets more difficult. What about grandparents? Help your children with grace and patience. Sometimes giving them a little bit of distance. But realize that your children need your help and support. But they must also learn to be adults and parents themselves. If you have gray hair, you've either learned something or you know something. Comes with time. It comes with experience. It says that the glory of a young man is their strength and the gray hair is the splendor of the old. Realize you have something to contribute and the wisdom that you have we will never have unless it's given to us. And then the wisdom and knowledge we have, we give it to the next generation. You guys stand up with me. I know there's probably some of us in the room that greatly need and greatly desire a healthy family unit. But you're not there. You say, Pastor, (laughs) this is like a fairy tale what you're telling me. But God, when he gets into the equation and he begins to restore that which is necessary for your stability, for your success, And for a blessing from generation to generation to come, he'll get involved in that family dynamic. 
It doesn't mean that we agree with everything that they do. But it's also important for our children to know who their grandparents are. Even stories of who their great-great-grandparents maybe were. Why does it matter, Pastor? Because it made you who you are today. And there's some tough life stories out there that will save your children from a lifetime of grief or hurt or creating the same ripple. You have to realize the plan of the enemy in your life and in your families and choose today to draw a line in the sand and say, no more. As long as it depends on me, I'm no longer going to cause separation and strife and discord in my families, but I'm going to fight for that unity and that restoration of the family unit. As long as it's up to me, that's what I'm going to do. And then ask God for the grace of what that looks like. The family life thrives when each part of the family does its part. It's my challenge for you. If your family is not what you want it to be today, make a choice to change it by changing your response today. Husbands and wives, it may just be a quick apology and saying, baby, I'm sorry I didn't realize the responsibility I played in this home. And women at that moment don't say, well, finally, come on. (laughs) Just say, I'm proud of you. I'll be praying for you. You have my utmost support as you lead this family boldly because I know that that's a challenge and something very difficult. And wives, maybe you hadn't been honoring your husband like you need to. Maybe you've even been a little bit naggy. And you haven't maybe been the blessing that he needs. And you say, you know what, I haven't been respecting him. I haven't told him lately anything that I'm thankful for that he's done to provide for this family. You need to find out what that is and you need to communicate that to your husband. You need to be a helpmate to help him, to support him. Guys can't do it without that helpmate. That's why God sent them. But you need to respect. Honor what he says. Well, what if you don't deserve it? I don't care if he deserves it or not. That's not what the instruction is. But it says, but by how you hold yourself, it will actually be a testimony to him and draw him closer to the Lord. If he's struggling, he don't need you to help him struggle more. Position yourself in a way that honors him and respects him and ask God to work in his heart. Children, young ones, young adults, whatever you need to hear, whatever word I need to tell you, you know, honor your parents. Love your parents. Respect your parents. Serve your parents. This is something that you need to do. It's honoring to the Lord. It ensures long life. Imagine that. How many of you in the room need to fight for your families in a way that you never have? Can you lift your hand for me? All right. I'm going to pray over you that God would give you wisdom in how to do that. And then we're going to take it a step at a time in winning back our families. Amen? Lord, I thank you for each one here. And Father, I pray just, Lord, for you just to work it all out. Father, a family is a blessing, but a family can be messy. So, Lord, I ask that you would just work in the lives of our family units. Father, that you would show us what to do and how to respond. But, Father, I pray that we would begin to pray that our families would be all that you've called them to be. A blessing from you. 
Father, I pray that we would uh, walk in forgiveness and restoration and health and wholeness. And Father, I pray that, uh, that our families would be God-centered, that they would be all that you've called them to be. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing, seen and unseen. Lord, I thank you that you're changing our perspective and that you're changing our hearts. Father, I pray even quickly that there would be some restoration and some moving in the right direction in our family lives. Father, I bless each one here. Lord, I pray that they would be encouraged whatever they're going through. Father, that today, as long as it's up to us, that we would do our part to build healthy, godly, biblically supported, positioned families in the model that you desire, desire for us and have designed for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So these four mindsets, when we reverse them, what does it say? I need a family. Number one. I don't need a family only when I'm young, but I need them for a lifetime. I thank God that he put me in the family that I needed to be in. And I'll see the blessings in the rough edges. And even if your family's pretty messed up, God can still work out beauty amongst the ashes of your life. And he can turn something around to where your family will be the family that you've always hoped and believed for. Amen? Hey, before I release you, if you have any prayer requests or there's something we can agree with you with, we got prayer teams available this morning. Uh, if there's something that you want somebody to agree with you through, uh, just come on up. We got prayer teams available. Next week, we're going to look at finances. How many of you deal with finances? If you don't know you deal with finances, you deal with finances. We're going to talk about that and hopefully give you a few little things to really, really help your finance life get a little bit better and maybe a little bit more aligned. I love you guys. You be blessed. Make sure you hug. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.